Well, it's so great to be here at Hope Alive. You have hope today. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. I, now, I confessed to a few people before the service, I'm just getting used to wearing reading glasses. And uh, so the good news is I can see my notes. The bad news is I can't see you. <laughs> and I don't want to take them on and off because for me it's a little bit distracting and, uh, and it keeps moving this microphone as well. So uh, we're going to try to deal with that. Uh, it's really exciting to be here with you. Uh, our, the relationship with Hope Alive has, has been precious to us. And I know I speak on behalf of Gail Stathis, who uh, has been here before and, and knows some of you. And it's just really good to be here. I thank the pastors for having me in. And of course, Bob and Jan for hosting me and being so good to me. Um, so I do want to give all that thanks. Uh, and then Pastor mentioned that we work a lot in the Middle East, North Africa. So I want to take a moment and just give honor for the life of uh, a friend of mine who passed away yesterday. Uh, his name is Nathan Georgie. He was in his 90s and still planting churches in Egypt. Uh, in fact, he was, uh, we were cooperating to begin a new church plant uh, in a new city uh, in, in Egypt. They're, they're actually building whole new cities of a million plus people outside of Cairo. And, uh, and so he had a plan to go into the new capital city and to establish a church there, even as it's just coming off the ground. And so at 90 years plus, he still had a fire to be planting churches, and uh, uh, he went to receive his reward yesterday. And so we want to give honor to him. Uh, but then also, I, I wanted to bookend that with, I was up, as I have been the last many weeks, at uh, 2 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the morning to be with my church in Greece. And uh, so this morning, because... We can't meet very well in our uh, local church setting. We have to space out like you do here, except more severely. We can only have one person for every, uh, you have to have six feet on either side, front and back, one chair. You can't congregate at all. So we can only get a little less than 30 people into our building at one time. And, uh, but what we discovered is that they're letting people gather on the beaches. Uh, so what my church did this morning was pack up and go to the beach. And uh, so having a, having a beach service, we thought it was a good time to baptize. And so we had four new people baptized this morning. And so I thought about that in terms of, uh, you know, the Lord is just, the, he's the Lord of the beginning and the end, isn't he? We had four that began their journey on this earth with him. And one that ended his journey on this uh, terrestrial soil. Uh, but all of them are living with God forever. Isn't that amazing? And so I, I wanted to just mention that this morning. Uh, I have so much that's in my heart, and so I'm going to try to share that with you. Uh, but Pastor told me I only had two hours. Is that what you said? So we're going to have to limit that a little bit. Um, but nine weeks ago today, I was uh, on an airplane coming back to the USA. Uh, after having been on lockdown in Greece since the second week of February, and uh, my visa ran out during my time in country. And being that it could not be renewed because nothing was open to work on it, the government sent me a notice that said, we welcome you to find a flight out of the country. <laughs> and so I was invited to leave. Uh, that happened on a Monday. And I was supposed to be out by Friday, but I couldn't get a flight till Sunday. So I had a week to pack up, make my way to the States expecting to turn around in about 10 days and go back, and that is nine weeks ago today. 
So I appreciate your prayers. And hopefully, uh, my plan right now is that August 10th, I'll be able to go home. Uh, we're expecting them to open up to the U.S. Uh, here at the beginning of August, but we don't know. So I'm living on an every two-week kind of cycle right now, finding out if they're going to open up and, and let us come back. Um, but it has allowed me to spend some time traveling around the U.S. and visiting places like this uh, that had not been expected. Again, I thank you so much because it's, I know what it means for churches to open up on the last minute uh, like has occurred here, and especially to do it under circumstances where the majority of our people are probably behind that camera uh, sitting at home right now. And so I, I do recognize that it's a privilege to be here. It's a privilege to be with you here this morning, too. So excited. Are you connected with Vickery, Vickery in Tulsa? Yes. All right, so are we. So we're family there, too. All right. Well, as I was being invited out of Greece, and I was thinking how upset I was at, at that moment in time because life was difficult. We're, we were still navigating how to do church online and do it well, how to keep people connected. Had a lot of things going on, things at my house were breaking. You, you ever notice that when one thing starts breaking, everything starts breaking? Yeah. And so that process started, then I have a dog who I love, like I'm not married, I've never been married, I don't have children, I have dogs. <laughs> and my dogs are precious to me. And I have, I have a 14-year-old beagle that is kind of on his last legs, and uh, in fact was only expected to live days uh, when I had to leave, uh, but I think he's holding on till I get home. Uh, so uh, I'm excited to, to do that as well. But, you know, just all this emotional stuff, you know, things that needed to be done, things that can't be done. Church is in a little bit of disarray and trying to figure out who can do what in your place while you're gone. And you got a few days to do it. And now I'm on a plane and I'm coming into the U.S. And it's weird because... My first flight was so full because everybody had to leave the country. My next flight was like a ghost town. And then I'm walking through airports that are just completely empty. Yeah. Nothing, open. you could barely get into the bathrooms if you could find one. And, and I'm just, I'm going through this really weird time. And I don't know about you, but I have the tendency in those moments uh, to exercise the gift of complaint. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty good at it. I've been working a lot of years. Uh, I have several gifts. Sarcasm is one of them. Uh, grumbling and complaining is another of them. Some people have prophetic gifts. I, we say I have a pathetic gift. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Amen. And, and I work on these things. And so I was, I was walking through the airport kind of doing my grumbling and complaining. And, you know, I travel a lot, so I have lounge access. But there's no lounges open, so that's one more thing to complain about. And, now I gotta go find a place to sit and you know the internet's not working right. And just, so many things not working and I'm, I'm complaining to God and I sit down and I'm thinking, you know what? I've, I've gotta get a hold of myself here. I, I, need to, I need to talk to the Lord about just surrendering this time. I, I've gotta give this over to God and let him have his way. And I'm mentally trying to exercise this and I sit down and I'm thinking, I need a good scripture on uh, surrender. And so I do what every gifted man of God who studies the word does, I open my computer and Google. Yeah. And, and I Google scriptures about surrendering. And up comes one that, that we're all very, very familiar with. It's the basis of, of the sermon title today. And you know it very well. James 4, verses 5 to 8. And 
Let me just go through this quickly uh, because I, I want you to hear it. And I'm, I'm reading from the Passion Translation because I specifically like some of the phraseology here. It says, does the scripture mean nothing to you? Now here is what caught my attention. As soon as the Google came up, it wasn't the rest of the scripture. I'm looking about surrender, but here's what caught my attention. Does the scripture mean nothing to you? And it was like the Holy Spirit just hit me right there and said, pay attention. Pay attention in this moment. You got here by accident, but Google has led you to the right place. <laughs> Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit that God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us, but he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says, God resists you when you are proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. So then surrender to God, stand up to the devil and resist him, and he will turn and run away from you. Amen. Move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will come even closer to you. Amen. Wow. Amen. I just begin to dwell on that for a moment. And I feel like the Lord just stirred a word in my heart that comes out of this. I think it's a word for the moment. I'm going to believe this morning it's a word for you. Yes. In these last weeks and months, I think we've seen in America and around the world, and I'm telling you it's everywhere. There is a decisive move by the enemies of uh, the enemy of our souls to take a stand. My life changed dramatically on September 11, 2001. Planes flew into buildings and how I traveled, how I lived, how I could relate to people, how we could communicate, how we could send bank transfers. Everything about life changed in those moments. And it has never gone back to being the same. I'm watched and you're watched more today than we ever have been. I promise you, you cannot go anywhere in this world without being monitored. And we, and we, we went through that transition. We, we exchanged things for security. We entered a different world. Nothing in my lifetime, and probably other than the great wars, nothing in, in anybody's lifetime living today changed the world more than 9-11. Until now. Until now. What we're living through right now, it, not just in terms of pandemic, not just in terms of race relations, but in a lot of things that are stirring in around that in the world, there is something taking place that I would submit to you is not just a natural occurrence, although the, the natural is real, but that behind that there is a spiritual campaign in which the enemy of our souls has chosen to take a stand. It is a move from being, and I want you to catch this phrase, I believe we have been sucked into the secret spirit of civilized secularism. Now, this was the tool of the devil up until now. The secret spirit of civilized secularism. What do I mean by that? I mean that we had life so organized and supposedly rational, even for believers. Now, listen to this. We were so organized and rational in our lives that God was not needed. Satan was not feared, and very likely in the middle of that, in many people's minds, they don't even know if he exists. Either one, God or devil. So our, our bank accounts maybe weren't full, but they were comfortable enough. 
Our lifestyles were in enough of a place that we settled into a secularism, even in the church, where Satan didn't need to be very prominent in anything because we didn't need God and we didn't fear Satan. And by the way, I don't believe we should fear him. But we should have a recognition of something. So now there's a move from this secret place of power to a much more overt display of an ability to wreak havoc in the world. Satan has said in this moment, I'm going to open up a can of worms. And so it's not just been one thing, but it's been one thing after another, after another, after another. And I guarantee you it's not about to stop. Because there is a campaign in the earth right now in which I believe the forces of heaven and the forces of evil are colliding in a place that is going to find its focus in what happens in the church. In the minds and hearts of people who call themselves believers. So I truly believe that this is a moment in history. Please listen to me. This is a moment in history for the church of Jesus Christ to speak back boldly and profoundly that God does not give us a spirit of fear or a spirit of timidity. 2 Timothy 1 and 7. But it says this. Go ahead to that scripture. But the Holy Spirit, listen, gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. Now there is your identity. As a believer in Jesus Christ today, whether it's pandemic or whether it's uh, protests or whether it's elections or it's health or whatever it is, the Holy Spirit is here to remind us that our character, our identity is not found in fear and not just fear, but timidity. But we are given mighty power, love and self-control. Contrary to a timid spirit, we should be renewing here and now our dedication to the command and the promise of the Lord Jesus when he said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Yes, that's a good word. Now, I'm going to give you two points this morning that are really, really profound. I mean, this is going to catch you off guard right here. So pay close attention. First one. Satan has designs for the world, and they are not good. I didn't get enough amen off of that one. I mean, isn't that profound? Satan, believe it or not, doesn't have goodwill in mind. He's not seeking who he can lay back on, lay off of. And let things ride. He's not looking for a way to make my life better today. He's not looking to prosper me unless that prosperity can lead me to destruction. Satan has designs for the world. They are not good. So can we say with the Apostle Paul today, as he did in 2 Corinthians 2 and 11, we are not ignorant of his designs. Paul said, we're not ignorant of what the devil is doing in the earth. In fact, we have the Holy Spirit to give us a a better idea. So we should be able to say that. Now, this is not my sermon today, but to kind of make the point, I want you to understand what the role of Satan is. It's not to help you. His designs are not good. Here's what they are. 
Number one, Satan lies and is the father of lies. Satan blinds the minds of unbelievers. Satan masquerades in costumes of light and righteousness so he can bring deception. Satan does some signs and wonders. Satan tempts people to sin. Satan plucks the word of God out of people's hearts and chokes faith. Satan causes some sickness and disease. Satan is a murderer. Satan fights against the plans of the gospel and its emissaries, pastors, evangelists, and missionaries. Did you know his plan is not for you to go well in Mexico or anywhere else in the earth that you get to, physically or otherwise? Satan's wanting to shut down churches. He's wanting to shut down prophetic voices. He's wanting to shut down our homes so that we eliminate the fellowship of one another. He is looking to destroy the move of the gospel in the earth. And the only thing standing be between that happening, other than a, a, an absolute move of God, is you and I. Yeah. So these are some of the designs of Satan. Remember what Peter said. He's our great adversary. He roams around like a lion seeking someone to devour. And that someone might be you. You are not excluded from his plans. You don't get to sit on the sideline and hope that he focuses on everybody else. Because the moment he finds you in the place of weakness, like the weak sheep in the fold, he's going to come and eat you alive. And the things that he will do to make that happen, if you are not prepared, That's it. will absolutely destroy you. Yeah. Destroy your faith. Destroy your joy. Destroy your life, your living in this world. Today in America and around the world, listen to me, the devil is showing his teeth clearly. Yes. But there's another line. The Lion of Judah. Amen. See, the second profound point today is this. This is deep. Go ahead. The Holy Spirit has his own designs for the world, and they are great. <laughs> You're getting some deep teaching this morning. Let's look at James chapter 4, 5 to 8 again. And I want to highlight some of these words. Look at this. Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says, wow, that hits me again, even right now? Yeah. How, how much more clearly could he say, hey, pay attention? Yeah. Yeah. Does the scripture mean nothing to you that says the spirit of God breathed into our hearts is a jealous lover who intensely desires to have more and more of us? But he continues to pour out more and more grace upon us. For it says, God resists you when you are proud, but continually pours out grace when you are humble. So then, surrender to God, stand up to the devil and resist him, and he will turn and run away from you. Move your heart closer and closer to God. Wow. 
and he will come even closer to you. Wow. So four quick points to end this. Number one, the Holy Spirit that God breathed into us when we became his has a jealousy that extends toward us. The Holy Spirit of God doesn't just love you. He desires you. He desires you. He wants you to come close and close and close so that he can find that place with you. How do we do that? Because I want this to be practical. We've heard these words before. We've had these, these theories and, 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 and ideas and, and knowledge, yes. But today I want this to, to sink in in a unique and, and different kind of way. Because I think it's a moment for us in time to really grasp this. That jealous spirit wants us to move more closely to him in our thought life, in our prayer life, in our decision making, and in the exercise of our will. Now, those things are practical. In other words, when I begin to engage in thoughts and those thoughts begin to stray into areas that I know are not godly, lustly thoughts, thoughts of fear, thoughts of demise, the Holy Spirit wants me to recognize that he is in partnership with me to call on him, come close to him, and let those thoughts flee from me because I'm putting him in that space with me. That's practical. Our... our, our uh, prayer life. I know I'm talking to believers this morning and I'm talking to myself. But a lot of our prayer has, has devolved into activity and, and kind of maybe uh, uh, practices and, uh, and procedures almost that, you know, we've got our formulas and, and we have our prayers. But there is something that the Holy Spirit is calling us toward today that is so much deeper than the prayers we have been experiencing so far. There is a level of communication with him that he longs to draw us into where revelation becomes a lifestyle where he can begin to speak to our hearts in deeper and different kinds of ways because we're hearing the voice of the living God. I am not content to let words come out of my mouth that have lost their meaning. Not because the words aren't true but because they're coming out of the activity of my head and the, the process of recitation, reciting, whatever that word is. Yeah. <laughs> I saw a meme yesterday that said, if you can't remember the English word, just say, I can't remember that word in English, and that way it makes you look smart, like you know more languages and not stupid. <laughs> so I think I'll exercise that right now. I just couldn't remember that word in English. <laughs> But these, these words that just echo out of me, yeah. they're not plugged to the heart. And the ear that's hearing things, but is not attuned to the spirit. And God today is saying there is a place we can go and it's not hard to find. It's right here. There's a place where I can go where that can be rejuvenated. And where that prayer life can become communication with the Holy Spirit again. And where I can live in that in a moment when chaos is around. Because the news and the newspapers and the voices of friends and the voices of family and everything else that echoes around about, I'll tell you right now, is very, very, very rarely the voice of God. Especially in moments like these.
He wants to be closer in our decision making. I'm going to make a decision. Do I ever really stop and say, now, Holy Spirit, before I choose. Not, I made a choice, now bless my way. Before I choose, where are you in this? Because it's the old story, remember, of Joshua meeting the angel before Jericho. And he asks him, say, whose side are you on, theirs or, or ours? And the angel responds, no. But I'm here as the captain of the Lord's army. Yes. You come to me. I don't come to you. And so many believers, we're, we're exercising this faith that says, okay, God, here's where I'm at. Now help me in this way. And God does that mercifully so many times. Thank God my life would be a disaster. But how much better to have him involved in the exercise of my will before I ever exercise it. When we recognize our need for him and allow him to take the lead. You know, this is what it means when he says he resists the proud. When we, when we allow him to take the lead, when we're not prideful about our own position, then he pours grace into our life that allows us to experience our best life. Yes. Yeah. That's his goal. It's not to rob you of what you want. It's to lead you in your best life. He continually, it says, he continually pours out grace, meaning that there's a constant flow of strength and freshness that's available to us to experience ourselves. Listen to that again. A constant flow of strength and freshness. How much do I need that today? Freshness in life. Not the, not the fear, not the lethargy, not the despondency or depression, but the freshness of life that is there with God. Number two, says if we surrender to God, submit in most translations, simply means, in the original language, it means this, to place yourself below him. It's the picture of coming into the presence of a king and bowing. It's the position of honoring the one who holds the place of honor in the room. The place of honor in this room, in my life. That is, I look up to him in a real, sincere way, not a theoretical way, not the idea, oh, yeah, God is my God, but then I go about living life, but that, no, my posture is that I am before him. I am recognizing him as above me. I give you first place. You get to have the precedence. I will follow your way. I will make that my decisions according to your word. I will spend my time with you. I will truthfully honor you in this position where I place you above me. But it also means this. To exalt or to lift up the one that is honored. It's not just to bow beneath and recognize that he is above us. But it's to actively come into the place where we are lifting up and exalting him. There is an element of worship in this. Why do we gather in churches and sing songs? Why do we pray the prayers we do and all of those things? It's not just so we have a liturgy and a, and a form of things to do. 
but it's because there is something living in the spirit that, com that comes to work when we begin to exalt God. When we recognize you're not just first place in my life, but I'm going to stop and take a moment here to recognize that and actively participate in it. So I'm going to bow myself before you and I'm going to begin to sing. We exalt thee. Yes. We exalt thee. We exalt thee. Oh, Lord, you know that song? Yes. Just sing it. We exalt thee. We exalt thee. We exalt thee. Oh, there's something that happens in the heart. It's not just saying, God, okay, you're the big dude. You're number one. But it's actively engaging in the lifting of that. Never allowing ourselves to be satisfied with the place that we have exalted the name of God. There's a phrase I love. I want to make his name famous. But I don't want it just to get famous and be stuck there. I want to get more and more yes. and more famous. I want the name of Jesus to be lifted up infinitely in the earth. And so I engage in that exaltation, not just when I'm sitting here, but when I'm at home and when I'm with other people. You want to really throw somebody off who's got a bad attitude? Just start singing, I exalt thee. Change the atmosphere. Exalt God. There's a worship element that is important. That with your voice and with your actions, you make the mind and heart and will of God known above your own. And then number three, it says resist the devil. Now, I had not noticed this before. So this is a revelation to me. You may be far ahead of me. But where it says resist the devil here... It's the same word, and it's an unusual word. It's the same word that just before that, it says God resists the proud. So in the way that God resists the prideful heart, which is the one that does not exalt him above their own, they make their own decisions in the face of him and then call on him to, to come and bless that. They don't pray. They don't seek God. They don't try to move closer. Though those people, the Bible says that that spirit, God resists. And then here he says, in the same way, resist the devil. Now, the best image I can give you of this is that old image of, of Roman armies where they would line up shoulder to shoulder with their shields in front and their spears alongside. And they would create a wall of resistance that nothing could come past. So here's what God is saying. He's saying when you exalt your own will and your own personhood and your own character and your own expectations above mine, here's what I do. I set up a wall of resistance. You're not going to get to that blessing because God himself is resisting you from it. We blame so much on the enemy. I was talking to somebody yesterday or the day before. I can't remember. I said, 
The, the devil hasn't needed to fight many of us. We've been doing a great job of that all by ourselves. <laughs> I have done so well in assisting his plots in my life. And God says, when you're proud like that, I, I resist you. I set up the wall of resistance. Now he says, in the same way, stand firm and resist the devil. Put up that wall of resistance toward him. Just as God stands in opposition to the proud heart, you're supposed to stand in opposition to the devil. Now, this is not about screaming at him or, or rebuking and having, which, by the way, I'm all for. I rebuke the devil. I scream and I do things out loud because I do not believe that the devil reads minds. So I like to tell him to get out of my life, get away from me. I rebuke the devil. And sometimes I do it loudly. And sometimes I pray for people and I do it for them. I'm not against it. But that's not what this scripture is talking about. When it says stand and resist the devil, what it's saying is position your heart in this way. That it refuses to give room to the devil's influence in your life. The mind tricks that he plays in your head. Put up the wall of resistance. And don't let it come. Amen. Don't let it get that far. And as you position yourself in submission to the Holy Spirit, which is in opposition to the devil, you position yourself in submission to the Holy Spirit, which is in opposition to the devil. When you stand that ground, look at what happens. Go ahead. The grace of God pours out over you. God becomes exalted in your life. And the devil has to flee from that position. Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Oh, that just sparked something in my heart right there. That means the devil cannot hold you captive in any sense. That's right. Oh, yeah. Settle on that for a moment. Listen to that. When we position ourselves before the one and we truthfully, actively, practically engage in exalting that position of submission yeah. says the devil has to flee yeah. and cannot hold you captive. Yeah. Not in your mind, not in your body, not in your attitudes, not in your expectations. There is no corner of your life that God leaves unguarded when we position ourselves. So here's where I'm gonna end, number four. And then I'm gonna ask for your response this morning. So I'm gonna invite you right now just to prepare your heart and remember this. Move your heart closer to him and he will move ever closer to you. I love that word, ever closer. You cannot get yourself into the presence of God to 
any extent greater than he will press into you. He will come. He'll come in that moment of despair. He'll come in that moment of frustration. He'll come in that moment of doubt. He'll come in that moment of distress over sickness. He'll come in that moment over the activities that, that are not good. Situation doesn't change, but your position in it does. And what that brings to everybody else around you changes as well. And God has promised, he's guaranteed this. Move closer and closer to me, and I will come ever closer to you. Now I tell you what, sitting in that airport, Googling my scripture on surrender. How powerful was it for me in that moment? Pushed away from home, unclear of the future, buckets of things left undone, concerns. God, how are we? I, we know this story. How are we going to live? What are the next three months, six months going to look like? What's the next year going to be? Life is changing. Nothing is sure. I don't know when I'm going to go home. I don't know if I'm going to be allowed to go anytime in any close moment. I don't know where I'm going to spend the next weeks. I don't know if my loved ones are going to be okay including my dogs. I don't know if my church is going to live. I don't know who's going to come back if we're ever allowed to gather again. I don't know who's going to have developed a habit of staying home. I don't know what people's expectations are going to be a year from now. I don't know if the donations are going to I don't know if the loved ones I have who are laying in hospital beds right now are going to be alive tomorrow. And you don't either. And if we're in a moment of helplessness before God, and I'm not sure we're quite there yet. 2009, when the financial crisis hit Greece, and many of you probably know it just decimated our country, we still are, have had no recovery from it. People begin contacting and saying, oh, isn't God moving? Aren't people coming to the church? Aren't they coming to faith? Everything's broken. And, you know, it, it seems like in those moments, that's when churches fill up and people have questions. And, so we kept getting all these, yo, aren't people coming? Aren't you seeing the move of God? No, not one bit. And I was in a conversation one day, and another pastor asked me, he said, well, why do you think that is? And here's what came to my mind. Because we are a country humiliated without anybody having been humbled. And I'm not sure that we're not in a global moment that resembles that right now. 
We can be humiliated by our way of life being challenged, our political parties suffering, our positions on different things, our, our worries over the sickness and loved ones and everything else. And it could be a moment. But I don't know that we're there yet. Nations are rising up, protecting themselves. The spirit of people is rising up to protect their rights, whatever you position those to be. The moment one person says this, the other person has an immediate and equal, if not greater, response. I know it because I just read my social media feeds. <laughs> I like it. I hate it. I want it. I despise it. So what? <laughs> we can become a people humiliated without anybody being humbled. And yet we keep quoting the scripture. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and get other people to turn from their wicked ways. resists the proud but he gives more and more and more grace yeah. to the humble yeah. and as we move closer and closer to him he moves ever closer to us would you stand with me I have no idea who I'm preaching to this morning. I don't know your life story. I don't know where you stand today. I do know this much. You can get closer. Nobody has arrived there yet. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is inviting us right now. I'm going to do this like I'm not going to call anybody forward. But I think there's a moment of divine reflection here. That if you in your spirit would say, Lord, I hear something in there that rings out to me. There's a part of this that you're bringing revelation into my spirit, into my soul right here this morning. Pastor had us do this earlier. I'm going to ask us to do it again. If you feel like you can say that in your spirit, I just want you to position your hand in that position of receiving. Said there's an element of worship. There's an active thing. The reason we raise our hands is not because it does anything magical or mystical, but it's because it reminds us of our position. We are receptors of the Holy Spirit of God. And Lord, this morning we recognize together that there is nothing we can do in our own strength or our own power to bring about any significant or lasting change. Lord, we stand in a moment in our personal lives and in our corporate life and in our national life 
and in our global life. Lord, we stand in a moment in time where we recognize that the forces of evil are unleashed and that there is something taking place that is meant to destroy. But God, we position ourselves together this morning as a people who receive from you power and love and sound minds. Lord, we position ourselves as people today who hear the voice of the Spirit. And Lord, as you said in the book of Revelation, let him who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Lord, we position ourselves today to hear and to respond. Lord, in my elements of pride, wherever I have let it rise up, Lord, help me today to lay that down. Lord, wherever I've preferred my way, regardless of the right or the wrong, even when I'm in the right, Lord, and my attitude is wrong, Lord, when I position myself in those places of pride, Lord, I ask that you, Holy Spirit, would come and reposition me. Remind me who I am in you. Yes, that you are not resisting me because I am not prideful in who I am. But Lord, you are drawing near to me and assisting me yes. and empowering me because I am submitting myself to yes. you. Lord, my mind is in your hands. My body is in your hands. My job, my family, my circumstance, God. This morning, it rests in your hands. And I place mine up and out to receive the gift of your Holy Spirit. Now, Lord, work in my life. Let this mind be in me that was in Christ Jesus. Who was God by nature, but did not consider it something to hold on to and grasp to and, and to keep himself elevated, but submitted himself to the Father and became a man. Emptied himself of glory to be the servant. Lord, let this mind be in me. And Lord, whatever doubts I have today, whatever fears I have today, wrestle them away from my heart. Wrestle them away from my mind, Holy Spirit of God. Set up that hedge of protection as I resist <coughs> Satan yes. this morning. Yes. And Lord, we declare these things in faith today because you are God. And you are the giver of every good and perfect gift. You are our salvation. You are our redemption. You are our empowerment. You are our joy. You are our life. You're a good, good, good Father. And Lord, we receive these things into our hearts this morning giving glory to you, recognizing that because we are in you, no weapon that's formed against us can prosper. All things that rise up against us shall fall because of who you are. Oh God, let that voice ring out from us. We are the children of the living God. Called by his name given his purposes strong in the earth 
because we know who we are and who he is. In Jesus' name, amen. down for a moment please it's so easy to I just think that was a prophetic word all the way through I just felt like the Holy Spirit just boom, boom, just continuing to drop and download seeds into us you know that's how the message comes is in seed form and then those that grab a hold of it and allow it to germinate it then grows. It says if you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you receive the prophet's reward. And what is that? It's the revelation. It's the revelation of what God's trying to say. And I, I just can't shake right now that the Holy Spirit is really, he's wanting us to think different than we have in the past. About the hearing of the messages, about worship, about what it means. I so appreciated his input on this, the whole element of drawing closer to God. And, 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 and I exalt you, Lord. And what that is, is to mean to us. And, and again, it, it must transcend this room here, doing it together into our homes. And into my personal life and my personal prayer time. And, and, and I just believe that this morning, the Holy Spirit's not quite done. Not quite done. <clears throat> so, Father, come this morning, I pray. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see right now what we just received in your word, that it might not just be another sermon or another message that we forget when we walk out the door. But, Father, I pray even right now, and I pray with all of us here, something would begin to be transformed before we even walk out the door. Come Holy Spirit. 